Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Bubble Hour, where real people tell real stories of addiction and recovery. This is Catherine, and tonight we're talking about gratitude. It seems to us that gratitude just might be the answer to even the most complex life problems. We know for sure that it keeps us sober by shifting our perspective just enough to get us out of stuck mode, self-pity, blame, defiance, and anger, and into action service, connection, and honesty. Tonight, I'm joined by co-host Ellie. Hi, Ellie. Hey, Catherine. Nice to talk to you. You too. And our guests, Kristen and Frankie. Welcome, ladies. Hi. Hi. And our co-host, Jean, will be on the line tonight, but she's live tweeting, so we're sending thanks and love out to her over the airwaves. And our other co-host, Amanda, has the night off. So, Kristen and Frankie, so that we can get to know you, um, let's start off by sharing a little bit about yourself and your recovery story before we dive into the topic. Um, Kristen, you're a blogger over at nolongerinert.wordpress.com, and where you talk about your recovery and other kind of interesting life topics. So, let's start with you. Okay, well, um, is it like a meeting where it's experience, strength, and hope? Because I can do that for you. Definitely. We love that. All right. Well, I could qualify, first of all, by saying definitely an alcoholic. Um, Know that for a fact. And uh, I have about two years, seven months recovery. Um, And I would say that I definitely knew I was an alcoholic most of my life. Um, I come from a father who is an addict and still is an addict now. He has a a lot of years of recovery, but he's relapsed recently. And uh, watched him struggle, go in and out of rehab. That was a big part of me not wanting to go that route. So there was many years of denial until finally it was just not deniable any longer. Um, Definitely a lot of shame and a lot of... uh, instances that I regretted hugely in my life. Um, I had gotten married and had a child, and I didn't really get off and running until after I had a baby. And I just think, <laughs> it's not cute. Mm-hmm. No, it can be cute in college, and it can even be cute in your 20s at some point, but after you had a baby into the mix, you're just, yeah, you're done. Yeah. Yeah. So you then, know, if you're what, trying to go out partying uh, when you have the baby, and and you know what? Let's back that up. Let's say you had a baby at 16. Okay, I get that. But if you have a baby at 30, and you have a career, and you have a husband and a home, and you just are trying to get out the door to get the the beer or get the yeah. you know I I had it. Mine went to narcotics also. That 
know, I, it was undeniable. Yeah. And it just seems to me that, like, this is, this, our experiences really show how this has to be a disease because why else right. would we, why why else would we run out like well, that? Yeah. Never. Never and, for no reason. So then what, what got you into recovery? Um, I would definitely say that um, my husband made a good choice and filed for divorce. Uh, you know, what he did took a lot of courage because he didn't want to get divorced, but um, really there was no option at that point. I was drinking every single day and we had a baby and, you know, um, that was just not okay. Uh, so he filed for divorce. I moved out and I kind of saw that at that time in my life as like, I finally had freedom. Now I didn't have him watching me anymore. It was, it definitely wasn't the moment that I think he hoped for where it slapped me in the face and I woke up and said, I want to save my family. I thought, good. Now no one's watching. Mm -hmm. Um, but then after about a year of living in a house alone and still drinking and just chasing the drug and chasing the high and I mean, just, nightmare day after day of I think now I have to go to rehab and my marriage is over my family and I aren't speaking pretty much because you know it's just a a wake of destruction that you leave behind and um, I finally went to him and said you know I think I need to go to rehab and I think that means that you have to take the baby from me and it is what it is you know there's nothing I can do anymore about it I I'm driving drunk with a baby. I'm doing things that are incredible that never in my life did I think that would be me. Right. And so yeah. then oh. did you go to a, a, a long-term rehab? or? Uh, I tried to. You know, I mean, I have good insurance, and I had a job that had insurance, and I'm lucky for that. Um, but, I, you know, they still won't take you into, you know, those movies where it's, 60, 90 days, no. Uh, I went, uh, they didn't have a room for me. Actually, I stopped. I decided, you know, okay, I was on narcotics. I'm going to take the last of the pills because that means flushing them. That's ridiculous. You have to take them. So I took the last of them them because I'm like, I'm calling to rehab and they'll take me today. and This is what's going to happen. And they didn't have a bed for about five days. And I realized that I might have a seizure or something crazy might happen if I just stop. So then, like, at the time, my husband had to go out and get me another prescription because we needed to hold me over. So, yeah, mm-hmm. the the luxury movie rehab is not the reality. Yeah, uh, and if, any, if anybody's listening who's wondering about that, we did just do an episode about uh, rehab. So if anybody is sort of wondering about the different types of rehab, um I'm not sure the exact date, but today is uh, November 23rd, so it was probably, Ellie, do you remember October? Yeah, I think it was about three um, weeks ago. Yeah, so if anybody's wondering, um, there's there's lots of perspectives to add to, to Kristen's story on that. So, but anyway, you did get in there. Yeah, I finally got in, and I went to them, and the, it's humiliation. I, I just felt humiliation at the time, and... Uh, are you sick enough to warrant a bed overnight or can we send you home at night? And they sent me home every night. I couldn't believe it. So I did outpatient. Yeah. I know. You have to drive past all the liquor stores that you frequented every night. So 
And so, so how did you do it? <laughs> um, definitely, it, um, you know, I have to tell you right now, I have to get out of this. I, well, for anyone who's listening, I'm driving on the 15, and I just had to get out of my car, so I'm changing scenery, and so I may sound like it may sound different to you. But anyway. Um, <laughs> Thank you. I, yeah, I totally um, resented having to go to rehab. I did not think rehab would work, certainly not, because it didn't work for my father, and it generally didn't work in my head. So I went in there pretty angry, um, and people would be reading the big, big book, and I would think, why are you reading that? Like, just, just shut up. You know, we're just here for therapy and whatever. Um, but the game changer for me was finding a sponsor who – actually cared about me at all as a human being um Mm -hmm. i just feel like through all the years i i destroyed friends nothing was permanent friendships were impermanent marriages were impermanent you can take my baby from me because i'm not a good enough mother i don't know what am i worth in the world so um, having this having this person come in, in and you know when they say they love you until you learn to love yourself, which I really don't like any of the cheesiness of any of it, but it's true um, Mm -hmm. because I just didn't have any respect for myself or even like myself. And for some reason she looked at me and said, you know, I was worth being a friend. She became my friend. She became my mentor. And so it was the, the sponsorship, having a sponsor and going through the steps and being in gratitude. Wow. Well, and I th- yeah. I think, you know, I'm jotting that down about, you know, let's we'll go back and bring that into the conversation on gratitude about, you know, how it gets us to our own value. Um because I know that's that really resonates with me, Kristen. That's just, absolutely that's making me a little emotional. Um yeah. Well, I mean, well, you're and, you're pretty much a, a useless degenerate when you have a baby and you're drinking beer while you're driving. And I don't mean that literally, if anyone's doing that. I mean, that's how you view yourself. Yeah. The truth of it is that you are sick and you need someone to help you. Right. Um, but what, how we view ourselves is so brutal and so painful. It's yeah. the shame. It's kind of the anti-gratitude. It's the, the way that this yeah. disease talks to us when we're in that place, you know, mm-hmm. that, that how horrible we are, and it keeps us it keeps us stuck for so long. Right, right. Shame is the anti-gratitude, Ellie. I love that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Put that on a bumper for sticker. Sure. There we go. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, and Ellie, I think you were the one who taught me that we're, how do you say it, we're not bad people trying to get good we're sick people trying to get well exactly right we're trying to get better oh, thank yeah you you're the that. that's beautiful yeah ellie taught me that one um yeah and somebody taught it to me yeah it's not an original yeah. but it was a, it was one of those life-changing moments for me while i realized mm-hmm. you know this is that there is not the, the moral judgment piece of this is what's keeping me stuck <laughs> this is the disease yeah yeah really mm-hmm. you really start to identify with i'm just a bad person um, and mm-hmm. the world is broken into good and evil, and I fall onto the evil side. That's mm-hmm. how I was born, and so I will be evil. And the, right. <laughs> these are the behaviors of the evil. And, right. And, I'll, yeah, I think a lot of times, in, uh, especially, I, th- I was thinking about this earlier, 
um, convincing yourself that it's okay to be a bad person because I am a bad person and these are the things that I do. And um, equating that with strength, I did that a lot. And then when I started to come around to trying to soften up and trying to be sober and trying to accept happiness as a way of being, not equating that with weakness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because being being happy and making choices that are good for my life doesn't mean that I'm weak. Uh, if someone cuts me in line and I choose not to argue with them, trust me, I'm not weak. Uh, there's a lot of things I've done in my life. We, we can go down the list that prove that I'm not weak, but I don't need to prove it to everyone every day all the time. Right. I can I can relate to that, too, because I think coming from that dark place where we're stuck and full of shame and then trying to make different decisions about choosing to be grateful or choosing to be peaceful or even choosing to be happy, it's a very vulnerable yeah. feeling because, mm-hmm. you know, we've lost our anesthesia and we've also lost our armor, our sort of defiant, <laughs> like, this is just the way I am kind of armor. And it's yeah. it's, a, yeah. it's a scary in-between space. It's worth it, but it's a scary place. Yeah. And there's I kind of think that I had... Go ahead, Kristen. No, I was going to say, I, I don't even remember what I was going to say, so I will pass it to you. Go on. <laughs> I just kind of felt like, I, you know, I identified so much with just, I thought, I thought that I was made broken. I thought, well, that's it. I just, I'm, this is how God made me. God made me broken. And, right. and I have to also say that, I felt that way because my, I've talked about this on the show that months four through seven of sobriety, my anxiety spiked so much that it was worse than it ever had been. And I just mm-hmm. thought, well, great. You know, now I'm sober and I, I feel worse than I did before. That's it. I must just be broken. And and then the clouds parted at month eight and things got so much better but you know, there there is a pretty big degree of um ego in the statement of like god made me wrong <laughs> <You know>? right <laughs> but i really yeah. i was pretty sure that i had it all figured out even in sobriety and and getting to that core of like i'm fundamentally a good person um you know that's been something that i've really been learning yeah, yeah. Yeah, when you said the armor of all of those thought processes and then on top of that you're shedding the chemical mind-altering substances that you've used and and the rawness that comes from there, there has to be some kind of warning to newly sober people that stuff's going to come up big time. That's why you have to have a sponsor. You have to be working with people. You have to have peers around you because – You'd be surprised what comes out of the woodwork. And I'm bringing this up because Frankie and I um, uh, were doing her fifth step yesterday. And um, I'm going to call her out on this. I won't obviously say anything inappropriate (laughs) here. But she was like, this process is ridiculous. We've all had the this process is ridiculous. I feel worse than when I was using. Well, of course you do. Right? right. Because we're looking at everything that's happened in our lives without any armor and any substances to shield us. So, yeah, it yeah. hurts. And then you move beyond that. And so a couple of things, I mean, we I, I say this, I think, every time now that it seems like every single show comes back to 
the importance of community and connecting with other mm-hmm. people in recovery um, is just is just everything. Um, so definitely, you know, want to underscore that. And then for anybody who's listening who's not familiar with the 12 steps and what um, Kristen is talking about is that the fifth step is when after you've made a big list of resentments and you've figured out what your part is in all this stuff that's happened to you in your life, you share it with another person. And it's a, um, you know, it's a daunting process, but that's why, as Kristen says, it's so important to, you know, work with somebody that, that you trust. And as you shed your armor, you feel safe. So that's just a little context, um, Okay. And so, yeah. so since we since we we were bringing up Frankie, we should we should give her a chance to talk here. And and I will say, Frankie, that I feel that way every single time I'm doing some recovery related work in twelve step land. So, I'm I'm with you on that one. Um. So why don't why don't you jump in here and tell us a little bit about yourself and your recovery story? Okay. Um. So, I always um. I always felt different for sure. Like growing up, I always knew that there was something uh, wrong with me, um, a darkness that I didn't see in other children and my other siblings and stuff like that. And when I was 15, my dad put me into um, the program and I fought it for a long time and, you know, argued with him. I told him I didn't have a problem. I was totally fine. I was too young. And uh, after a really tough year of, um, a failed marriage at 22 and a uh, failed career just, you know, too much too soon. And on top of it, my using and my drinking and my, um, I was diagnosed bipolar, my mental illness. It was just, I was just so sick. Um, I was just so sick. You know, it's mm-hmm. like I could feel my, like I was dying and, um, you know, it's like it, it was like a cancer, and I could feel it growing. And so I finally decided um, just five months ago that I was ready to admit that I uh, had a problem and that I needed treatment, I needed help. So I went to rehab over the summer, and unlike Kristen, I actually, you know, I did. My parents called the place. I called the place. Both of them were like, we have a bed for you within a day. And the next morning I was, um, I was in the treatment facility. Um, that's your charmed life right there. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Which is a joke because yeah, that's well, aren't we grateful for that? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I'm great. I'm grateful for my charmed life. I, um, I got in and I was there for about 40 days or so, maybe not even. And, you know, I moved into my own apartment. I got, you know, it took a couple months. I got a job. I was in between sponsors for a while, and it was really difficult. Um, that first month out of treatment and on my own and just going to, like, meetings and not really having a community and not really having um, a sponsor that I, like, trusted and that was there for me. You know, my sponsor at the time was just, like, someone to to do the steps with, but not someone to like be there and I could rely on. And it didn't feel like she had as much of a connection to me as I needed, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. And so I broke down in a meeting and um, I found that in Kristen, she really supported me and took care of me and showed me that people care about me 
And um, it's the same thing. Yeah, like I just didn't see myself worth. And I'm still working on that every day. And mm-hmm. to have people around you, you know, a sponsor who's who you are being vulnerable with, you know, and that doesn't mean, like, I like that Kristen said, that doesn't mean I'm weak, you know, showing your vulnerability. It doesn't mean you're weak. It just um, means you're willing to ask for help and you can grow stronger. So um, I did ask yeah. for help. She gave it to me and she, and I have, and now I have a strong community of women and people around me and um, people in the program. And it is a lot easier for sure to get through this process that, I mean, it is, it's a difficult process. You can't lie about that. You know, you are digging up all the skeletons and everything and working through it and you're doing it without any chemicals. Um, So it's hard, but I definitely feel better today than I do than I did using you know I can actually be clear headed about it and I can find sometimes I don't want to find gratitude sometimes I do you know want to throw a pity party and I am sad and things suck but I'm capable of actually finding that gratitude and reaching out to people and that's something I wasn't capable of doing in my using I wasn't even capable of going oh I should find what I'm grateful for today instead of sitting like this or I should call somebody instead it was just like darkness so, mm-hmm. yeah. So I mean, that's such a good point. And like, why don't why don't we start there? You know, on the topic of gratitude, of like, you know, somebody listening out there could think, you know, isn't gratitude just sort of a new agey, feel good kind of silly nonsense? Like, you know, maybe my life is is really bad. You know, maybe I've lost a, a marriage, or maybe I've lost a job, or you know, I'm I'm in this darkness of of feeling not good about myself. I mean, all these things that that we all have shared and and um, identify so strongly with. But like, you know, Frankie, talk about that. Like, why why isn't a gratitude practice just sort of you know sort uh, of a, a feel good thing? Well, I mean, it doesn't necessarily make you instantaneously feel better or it's not like, a, oh, if I just pretend all these things are great, it'll be great. It's not like the secret. It's, you know, <laughs> it's, it isn't. It's every day yeah. I, you know, like last night, I was, like, in my fifth step, and I was really a mess, and I was really struggling, and Kristen reminded me we were going to do this gratitude um, podcast tonight. And at first, I, you know, honestly, I was like, oh, God, you know, what am I going to talk about? I'm depressed. I'm not in the mood, you know. And she mm-hmm. said, and she listed a couple of things, and I was like, you're right. I do have things that I'm grateful for. And it's not, it doesn't make me feel 100%. I'm not, like, walking on sunshine today. I still had, you know, a pretty down day. But I can still acknowledge the fact that I have a roof over my head, you know, and I have people around me that care about me and I get to be of service right now. You know, I do have those things right. that I get to be grateful for and it doesn't make my other problems go away. It doesn't make my resentment list any smaller, but that mm-hmm. it brings some sort of light into, you know, the darkness and that's better than throwing pills at it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I like the way you, yes. this is Ellie. I like the way that you put that in because it kind of gave me a visual of, you know, Catherine, framing the question like isn't this all sort of pie in the sky kind of stuff and mm-hmm. 
you know, sunshine and light. And it's, it's interesting because it's easy to think of gratitude as kind of like, you know, being sort of open sky, like looking up and raising your arms to the heavens kind of thing. And, and sometimes it is. But for me, sometimes gratitude is really kind of like a floor, something solid that I can put my feet on. And so I don't spin mm-hmm. further into those dark I love places. that. You know, yeah. and I hadn't really thought of that visual until you described it that way. It was pretty powerful. It's like it's it's, it's very it's very grounding for me. You know, it kind of brings me back to like reality because my head, not only with you know my alcoholism, but with my bipolar disorder, my head likes to take even the littlest thing and go far mm-hmm. away with it. Like, and so um, gratitude just kind of brings me back and brings me back to even just like neutral. You know. Mhm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah, I feel I like, like I spent my time. whole life, like, walking. I was just, like, a head walking around on two legs, like, you know, separate <laughs> from my – I was separate from my body, you know, and I would just use alcohol to, like, keep myself totally disconnected from reality. So that idea of gratitude is grounding is is awesome. Yeah. And, Kristen, what would, what would you say to somebody, you know, if, if you had a newcomer who said, you know, really, I want to scream right now, you know, how on earth is gratitude going to help? And what, <laughs> um, I did that, and you're speaking to her. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I, because I went in screaming, because we come in screaming, and we're not mm. happy. No one who's coming and asking for help for this disease comes in smiling and happy, so let's just start there. And you're not in a place of being grateful for anything. And it doesn't matter how low or high the bottom is. It's a bottom. Um, mm-hmm. I, you know, so <laughs> I remember when I first started doing the gratitude list, which was at the suggestion of my sponsor, who um, is all, she really is rainbows and sunshine, but that is her <laughs> legitimate personality. So I don't fault her for that. Uh, you know, she's not faking anything. Uh and she asked me to do this gratitude list, and when I wouldn't do it, she would text me and remind me, and I really, really appreciated her, so I didn't want to disappoint her, but, Lord, no. I Stop. So I started yeah. writing these really snarky, ridiculous <laughs> gratitude lists, um, which bit me in the butt because I wrote this one one night where I'm like, I'm grateful I'm not dead with my head smashed on the side of the road. You know, it's just ridiculous. I'm grateful there's not a heroin needle coming out of my arm and cops around me. And then accidentally sent it to everyone in my contact list, which included everyone I worked with. Um, so then I had a moment of, oh, really? Like, that's what I get. That's what I get for being a brat. In my 30s, yeah. <laughs> you know. So um, after that, I started, A, replying instead of writing an original gratitude list with contacts um, to make sure that never happened again. But with gratitude, really, it, it bothered me when people would make it like you're creating gratitude from nothing. Like, I'm grateful for the toothbrush I have to brush my teeth with, which I'm also grateful for the teeth and then the food I eat with the teeth. Like, that's not what it is. Um, <laughs> Although but those it, are good. I, I am yeah, grateful not bad, for my right? teeth. Yeah. I'm grateful for my teeth. You know, i got to say, I had braces as a kid, and they're pretty straight. But I'm grateful for, you know, I spent a lot of years in, in jealousy a lot of years in jealousy and always looking at what other people had that I didn't have. 
and thinking that if I had those things, whatever it was, if I had parents who were together, if I had um, a father who wasn't a drug addict, or um, my parents had money for clothes that way, that I could be cool and that I could be this and that. And I always really just equated things to um, mm-hmm. happiness and always wanting other things. And uh, I think gratitude as being a neutral, it really is where it puts me. There's always people who have it worse. There's always people who have it better. No matter how much better I have it, there will still be people who have it better. So I really need to just, um, well, the quote, the quickest, I always say it wrong. The quickest way to have everything you want is to want everything you have. Everything you have, yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Just really look around and say, I'm okay here. Yeah. I'm okay. And this is, I am grateful for these things, whatever it is, wherever I am. Yeah. And this jealousy thing, you know, it's, that is, I feel like it's related to what we were talking about before about self-worth, right? Like, you know, if we, if we, if we're coming from a scarcity mentality, if we're coming from a place of lack and the inside, then nothing seems quite right. And then that's what we want to drink over. Whereas, you know, if you get back to neutral, the grounding sort of stuff that Frankie says, like then we, we're kind of back feet planted on the ground and we can get to a place of acknowledging our inner worth, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it all comes down to inner worth, which I have been saying over and over to Frankie. And this is something that's new for me. I'm only two years, seven months in, but, um, I live in LA and I didn't grow up here, but I have, because of being in this program and being in rooms, met some people who have a lot of money. It's not the crowd that I would run with usually. Right. Um, I, work a very middle-class job but I've gone to these palatial houses and seen these amazing cars and all of the things they have and they are not they're in the same place I am they're looking for things to be grateful for they're struggling with self-worth there's no objects that you have that ever change that inside core feeling Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I grew up in LA and grew up with money you know like I always oh, well, had lucky you. I, no, you know what I'm getting at <laughs> yeah, is that no, I always I always had everything I wanted, you know, and right. I'm air quoting right now and right, right. I still have no self worth. I mean <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that didn't make a difference for me. You know, it for for me it was like the opposite. I would have rather you know, my parents worked all the time and they weren't they were always on the phone and if I interrupted it was well, no, we're busy, you know, and for me it was like, well, I'd rather have no money at all and you have time for me and yeah. make, you know, like I feel the opposite, you know, I would have felt the opposite way. So I think that it, it really doesn't, it's the material things. You know, my mom like said, well, aren't you glad that I have food on the table? Yeah, I mean, I am, but conversation <laughs> would be cool too, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think know, this no is what, all sort of point points to the idea too that sometimes that gratitude is the difference between more and enough of whatever it is you know because I I was thinking about the years of sobriety I had before my relapse and I was I was constantly looking for more I was still trying to fill that hole and I wasn't looking to fill it with drugs or alcohol but I found other things that could never ever be enough you know and and it's just it's it's sort of reframing everything Mm -hmm. to an you know, enough, and then anything else that comes our way is, is you know, 
it's kind of gravy at that point. But mm-hmm. um, it can be very, it can be challenging to do when we're going through difficult times or, or we're, um, you know, having that vulnerable feeling. It's just, it's very tempting to look elsewhere for happiness. And I, I think this came up on last week's show too about talking about outer reach for inner peace and how mm. futile that is because if it, gratitude is really kind of the tool that helps us find that from the inside out instead of the other way around. But yeah. you know, sometimes I we do have to start at the toothbrushes with, to get... Um, sorry. Go ahead, sorry. No, I struggled a little while with um, how do you live in gratitude and really be grateful for the things that you have and be in that neutral place but also have, like, healthy desires for more? Um, right. And and that you know that's a, that's where it gets a little tricky for me, but you know I I think that's where acceptance comes in <clears throat> as a nice mm-hmm. little side tool, where you know I I would like to go on this job interview and this job interview could give me more money and I am okay with that and I'll do the footwork for it if I get the job I'll do my best and if I don't I'm grateful for what I have and and that beautiful little space to live in is what it's about. Mm-hmm. Mm. And yeah. I think, you know, Ellie, you've, you've really shared poignantly about some of the challenges that you've had over the last few years. Um, and it just strikes me how gratitude isn't about sort of painting everything over, like, our, you know, wearing rose-colored glasses and being like, mm-hmm. oh, Little DD, everything's fine. I'm so grateful. Um, but yeah. can you talk a little bit about how your gratitude practice really can change your perspective, even when it's like, you know, cancer, loss of a loved one, a separation yeah. from your husband, all the stuff that you've shared about that's painful and huge and real. Um, you know, how has gratitude kept you moving in this time? Well, it's a, it's an interesting question, and I probably couldn't have even answered it three or four months ago because this is all sort of a work in progress for me. But what I realized looking back over the past three or four years, and most listeners know this, but, you know, like in, in 2007, I had a, 2011 rather, I had a lot of hard things happen to me, and my dad died, and then I got cancer over the course of like three months, and at the time I, I was blogging a lot, and I was writing a lot, and I was very involved in a recovery community, and I, I talked a, I talked a lot, a lot, a lot about gratitude through that whole process. I wrote about it a lot. And I can look back now and read those things that I wrote, and I realized I was using gratitude as a way to show everybody how fine I was. Mm-hmm. That I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. And that's kind of what the painting over feels like, you know, a Band-Aid over a bullet hole, really, is what it was. Mm-hmm. I, I, I needed everybody to tell me how fine I was, and so it was just a, it was a way of, of avoidance. Really, I mean, it, gratitude can you can use your powers for evil or good, I, I suppose. But and my gratitude practice really shifted for me when I went to treatment over the summer, also, and I was there for ninety days, and you know, I had no contact with the outside world, and really watching my life kind of fall to pieces, at least on the outside. Um, marriage falling apart, couldn't see my kids, wasn't sure if I'd ever be able to get home or live live with them again, and and the only thing I had was the ability to center myself and being grateful for what I did have. And um, it was a very intimate experience. You know, I wasn't trying to tell or show anybody how fine I was. I needed it to keep from falling apart. And an example that I can think of is, you know, one of the bad things that happened to me last spring was I was arrested for a DUI with my kids in the car. 
and mm-hmm. it, it ended up, you know, we had a whole system in place for my daughter to, if, if, if this ever happened, I mean, we were so open about alcoholism, we had a safety plan in place, and somebody, she was supposed to call people, and she couldn't reach anybody, and so finally she had to call 911, and the police found us through her GPS system, and they came and they arrested me. And, um, you know, I, I spent a couple of weeks sort of thinking, oh, if only she'd gotten somebody on the phone, and, I, you know, I wouldn't have gotten arrested, or if only this and if only that, and not not really thinking about gratitude at all. And then in, and forgetting the whole, the whole flip side of that coin, which was, oh, my God, it could have been so much worse. I mean, we could have been killed, or I could have killed somebody else, or... And then even right. further to say, thank God nobody came to pick me up because I needed to get arrested in order to get to this yeah. healing to be able to, you know, and that's that's to me kind of where it became not a bandit over a bullet hole, but something that really fundamentally shifted how I felt inside about where I was. And, and in order to get to that place of true inner gratitude, I had to sit in that pain first. So mm-hmm. the shorter the shorter answer to your question would be real gratitude for me is a result of doing some really hard work like what Frankie and Kristen were talking about of looking at the painful things, owning the things that I had done, you know, humbling myself to the consequences of them without losing myself to shame. And the way to not lose myself to shame is to have gratitude that whatever things happened as a result of my actions or my circumstances got me to this place now where I have the gift of being able to learn and stretch and grow. And so it's mm-hmm. it's not a platitude. It's not a bumper sticker. It's something that really is is meaningful to me. Um, yeah. Because you know, it, and usually these things happen in hindsight. But when I when I went through those hard things in 2011, I never sat in the pain. I was sober, but yeah. I didn't ever process it. And so the gratitude couldn't be real because I never felt the really hard stuff to begin with. If that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that reminds me of, you know, I've I've said this before, but someone I know in recovery, an old timer, says that the two biggest lies are I'm okay and everything's fine. So, mm-hmm. you know, the there's F-word. there's a lot of things we can use. Yeah, exactly. There's a lot of things we can use to um, pretend that we're fine. And, you know, Anne Lamott actually wrote a beautiful essay about this where she was with a friend of hers who's, health was severely declining because of ALS, which is, you know, just sort of a Mm -hmm. terrible diagnosis. And they went for this little walk through the woods and her friend can't talk anymore. She talks through typing into her laptop and her iPad or something. And, and she asked her friend, what are you grateful for now? And she answered something like, you know, the beautiful trees and the, you know, she kind of responded and Anne Lamott was like, oh, Lord, you know, like this is radi- radical gratitude in the face mm-hmm. of life. Um, mm-hmm. And maybe it is really tied into what Kristen said um, with acceptance, um, mm-hmm. just sort of mm-hmm. starting starting where we are. And I, I thought I would kind of just mention um, where I've been this week and how gratitude has has helped me. Um, I've mentioned on the show before how my first husband um, was an active alcoholic and we had a really challenged um, relationship. We were together for 10 years and, um, you know, I'm really sorry to say that he, uh, he lost his life to this disease um, several days ago. And I really was just, no one was really surprised. um, But, it was still a shock as I think it probably always is to lose somebody, but 
No, he was only 48, and he just he couldn't he couldn't get the grace that we have tonight. You know, he mm-hmm. he couldn't stay sober, and that is so sad. And I just I was really devastated this week. Um, I was just flattened by it, and you know, a couple of things. I first of all, I, I relied very heavily on my recovery community. Um, including everyone on the phone right now. <laughs> um, <laughs> so thank you. Um, and so that kind of gets to the point of, of uh, community and the importance of that. But I couldn't help but go straight into gratitude. Like in the midst of this pain, I thought that, wow, like today and maybe only today, but that's what I have. Like I am sober and look at my life now and look at the people that I'm surrounded with and and profound gratitude just has really lifted me out of some you know real dark sadness and also enabled me to sit with it and just allow myself to sort of cry and feel sorry about this outcome for him and um and and to really process it in a in a very real way. So I just thought I would share that as a kind of current event um and how gratitude has helped. Yeah. That's such a powerful story, Catherine, and, and, and it's a it's it really drives home the point too of the, the processing piece of it is such an important part of the gratitude piece because mm-hmm. you know, it it's um I don't know, maybe I'm just so leery of, you know, utilizing gratitude as an avoidance mechanism, and I don't mean to keep belaboring that point, but it is, it really is from true pain where true gratitude comes, and and right. understanding that even though we're not on the other side of something, and maybe we'll never fully be on the other side of something, especially a profound loss, um, that there's still things that are, you know, that, that are blessings in these experiences that are that are enriching our experiences in our lives and our recovery. It's it's um, you know, it's you not know, new age pie in the sky stuff at all. Mm-hmm, no. mm-hmm. I could share something. Um, I had a, a friend whose uh, two-year-old passed away, and so when you come down to like the most painful things that can happen to you, that's at the wow. top of a list. Yeah. Um, and she she passed away in her sleep in her crib. And uh, my friend, uh, she's not in recovery, but she is very big into gratitude, and she lives an authentically grateful life. And through the pain and through really just feeling this horrific event, on the other side of it, she said, um, you know, I'm grateful that she passed peacefully in her bed and that she spends her entire life loved. And wow. that kind of profound ability to find, and that it's not phony, it's not fake, she cries every day. That mm-hmm. doesn't make it go away. Not, nothing makes that go away, but... She truly is grateful for that. There was no suffering that, you know, there's other parents whose children are missing, and she really feels like her neutral is that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah. gratitude gets us into love, doesn't it, and out of fear. And it seems to me that, like, love or fear are kind of our two choices, you know, like our choice of actions, and we we defaulted into fear when we were actively drinking and using mm-hmm. And like your story, Kristen, there, and and my heart goes out to your friend. She's choosing love, 
even though mm-hmm. she's sad mm-hmm. and, and it's crushing, she's choosing love instead of fear and saying, you know, asking all the, the questions, the futile questions of fear. Right. That's, that's amazing. Um, I also love what I, I don't remember one of you said about like it takes time I mean no one's being arrested for a DUI actively saying gosh I'm so grateful I'm being arrested for this DUI you know (laughs) that's lunacy so I think sometimes people think that people who live in gratitude you know live in it from the moment this event happens that that, the process is really important to understand I think that that often comes in sorry go finish your thought I'm sorry no, that you can live in a in a in a daily basis of a practice of gratitude for small things and for things that are at, you know there on a regular basis. But the real deep work comes through pain and process. Mm-hmm. And that really also t- brings up the point about how gratitude and choosing love and compassion and things like that. It is actually a practice. I mean, that, that was the other mm-hmm. shift in my view of gratitude. It's it's not strictly an emotion or a feeling. Um, you know, for a long time I thought that pain and gratitude couldn't coexist at the same time, and, and they do all the time for me. Yeah. yeah. But that it's yeah. also that it is a practice. It's something that I that I have to do on a daily basis, and it, how I do those the gratitude practice shifts a little bit, but I would be curious to hear from everybody about how it is. You know, what's the action piece for you? Is it a gratitude list? Yeah. I know that there's gratitude groups. Things like that I think would be helpful to hear more about. Hmm. Yeah. Well, Frankie is on the gratitude list uh, because of my urging and suggestion. And <laughs> I also wanted to bring up, and maybe she can speak about this, uh, that, oh, I'm sorry, hang on a second. Um, she definitely struggled with gratitude in the beginning, but then mm-hmm. um, moved, moved quickly into it, it being a little shift in, I, I want you to talk about this, about how then when things came up, you thought, oh, I can put that on the list. So, yes, ours is an active list. It's an email that we send out to the people within our uh, contained group. Um, but, yeah, Frank, you could talk about that. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I'd like to. Um, so, I re- yeah, I remember when Kristen first asked me to, to get on it, and I said no. And I said I wasn't ready for gratitude, and I had nothing to be grateful for, and that's stupid. Mm-hmm. And uh, about a week went by, and I remember I called her crying, and I was a mess. And she said, that's it, no more arguing, you're getting on the gratitude list tomorrow. And I said, okay, fine, whatever. And I was, and I took her suggestion, and I, you know, I read it, and I was nervous, and I did it. And it just kind of like over time, I mean, really like, and and pretty quickly for me, every day I go, oh well, this is something that I didn't even realize I'm, I'm grateful I'm grateful for. You know, I'm I'm grateful for this job that I ha- I'm grateful for this. I'm grateful in these little things. And so my day, instead of sitting in, ugh, I'm mad about this, it turned into, what can I think of? Like, what's happening right now that I'm grateful for? And you start to um, look for those things instead of looking for the opposite. And so my my days turn into um, what's great about today instead of what's bad about today. And it is a practice. You know, I have to do it. And sometimes I, you know, I um, I slip up. I'm, I don't do it as much as I should. And, but when I'm practicing it every day, my life is better. And uh. it's like, 
you know, those little things that you can be grateful for is a practice so that when the big things happen and when you are in pain and you are scared and, you know, the hard things happen in your life, you have that practice that you, you're, it's like a reflex. Your body goes to it. Uh, that's, well, why you practice, yeah. that's why I practice it every day because, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, every day there's not a lot, you know, great things don't happen every day. You know, mm-hmm. it's pretty mundane and my list is pretty similar every day. I'm grateful for my my boyfriend, my sobriety, my sanity, my sponsor, you know, and then like maybe a tree here and there or like whatever. Okay. Yeah. But but I think I love that, that happens, it's a muscle. Yeah. Yeah, it's a muscle. Yeah. It's a muscle. I practice it every day so that when I really need it, I have that practice and I know it like that and I can just go to it. Uh-huh. Yeah, and so uh, if if somebody is out there saying like so okay, what do they mean in practice? There's a bunch of different ways to do it, which is, you know, like Kristen and Frankie said, you can have an email chain, you can set up like a Google Groups where you, you know, can all email in one group. There I know people who have set up um secret private Facebook groups um mm-hmm. where they share daily um I actually have in in the past had a practice where um, I just had a notebook and I wrote down the five things that I was grateful for today. And I I sort of made up these little rules for myself that it would be like, okay, I I couldn't put general stuff like, oh, I'm grateful for my family. I would have to make it specific to that day. That was just how I did it. But it seems Mm -hmm. that it seems to me a couple of things that writing writing down specific items seems important and then number two I, I think the sharing of them with other people sort of makes them multiply or something I, I don't know what are your thoughts on that yeah I, I, I think yeah oh definitely. I'm sorry no I was gonna say I I'll out myself as an educator right now and that's definitely a, uh, a process is if you have kids write a journal every day and they never share it with anyone then it just becomes this useless act the, the act of sharing is so necessary. Um, so definitely uh, I get off. We all get off on anyone hearing us being heard and, it's, you know, being heard is huge. Yeah. And so yeah. whether or not everyone reads my list every day, they don't. I don't read everyone's list every day. But there, I do, uh, Kristen. That, I read your um, list. You know what? You are just perfect. So, so, no, just kidding. So <laughs> there's um, – you know, I, I read what I can, but I love when occasionally someone who I just assume doesn't really pay attention to my list writes back to me like, wow, that was great. And I have this moment yeah. of people heard me. This really, someone's reading what I wrote and it matters. That It's a huge part of this. That's why I think writing it in a notebook could be a first step, but eventually getting into some kind of community where it's shared is, is it would be step two. Well, you know, I think that not only... I don't think that not only sharing it and like feeling heard, which is a really good point, but um, what we've what we've talked about earlier was a community and how important that is. Whether mm-hmm. you know, I don't know all of these women. I've I've never seen some of their faces. I don't you know I don't have a Facebook, so I'm not even connected to them in that way. Like literally, this is this gratitude is the only way that I'm connected to some of these people, and. So when something happens and I'm sharing about it, I know that like what you know maybe all my friends are busy maybe they're all at a meeting or whatever and I have nobody I have this this community of women who mm-hmm. hear me and are there for me and understand what I'm going through and they have their own things and like I 
I'm there for them the way that they're there for me. And it's like an equal give and take between all of us. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's really important in the practice. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's sort of part of the muscle too, right? Having that community so that, you know, like for example, this week, you know, I'm faced with loss, but I'm not alone. And when I was drinking, I was just so alone and I thought that's all I wanted to be. I just thought I got to handle everything on my own. I've Mm. got to, you know, it's just, I can't share this with anyone. It's not safe or whatever. I, I just have to do it all by myself and I only want to be alone. Why can't everyone leave me alone? And I didn't realize how lonely I was. And, and this past week has really struck me. Um, about how I was so like in in 2010 my best friend died after an an illness she was sick for about a year and um, I was still active then and there was a lot kind of to Ellie's point of not processing Um, there, there was a lot then that I didn't process whereas with this loss to show up and like lay it at the feet of all of these trusted advisors and friends um, I can just uh-huh. safely let my hair down and, you know, and be grateful for that. Just grateful for the safety of belonging, um, which I didn't know it, but that's all I ever wanted when I was drinking. That's all I ever wanted. Mm-hmm. And now I have that. I mean, boy, that's talk mm-hmm. about gratitude. I think that really speaks to the the power of gratitude as a tool also because I'm listening. These are such amazing examples, and it really I think it really drives home the point how powerful a tool gratitude really is. And I was thinking about how as active addicts and alcoholics and, you know, for people who are out there listening who might still be struggling and things like that, how um, how hardwired I am, I'll speak for myself as an alcoholic, to go around anything hard. You know, I just, mm. if there's a shortcut, I want to find it. I, I don't want to go through. I want to go around. And <laughs> the practice of a, a gratitude practice, especially when I'm in pain and when I'm suffering, I, I, I know I'm, I'm hung up in my own net somewhere, you know, and active mm-hmm. addiction wants us alone and wants us feeling sorry for ourselves or less than, and it wants us quiet and isolated, mm-hmm. and it wants us not to process things and I tend to find that I'm better at my gratitude practice when I am in some kind of pain and you know ideally I would do it Hmm. even when I'm not to keep that muscle strong Um, but it does really not just making a list or thinking about the things I'm uh, grateful for but sharing them it keeps me from going around everything and it also keeps me sharing it keeps me out of my own head and reading what other people write that they're grateful for also it's a, it's just an incredible you know when i when i see what other people are going through and what they still are are able to be grateful for and even just even when they're not going through something the things that they find in their world that they're grateful for i start seeing those things too mm-hmm. and so it, it really is cumulative i i had a, a real powerful moment a few days ago when i was doing my gratitude list and i was feeling particularly snarky and sorry for myself and and i um all of a sudden it was like this this disembodied voice, you know, the one that sounds like me but isn't me, kind of comes comes out of nowhere. And it's like, you know, you get to be in your house with your beautiful sleeping children right down the hall. What would you have given 
seven months ago to know that this was you know, that just kind of yeah. like, wow, it stopped me right in my tracks because I was sitting here like, what am I grateful for? A roof over my head? Yeah. A warm bed? Okay, whatever. And I was in this really cynical spot, and I thought, okay, go way back to basics. Like, if I can go back in these gratitude journals and see when I was in treatment, the only thing I could find that I was grateful for was that I was, you know, that my kids were alive and that I was breathing. Mm-hmm. You know, I couldn't. It, it's a it's a marker for progress. It helps me go back yeah. and realize that little by slow, these things really do get better. But if I'm not writing them down and sharing them with other people, I lose sight of that. And I get that yeah, sort so it's of like accountability. It's accountability, right. and, it, and it steers me away from complacency or, you know, self-pitying, things like that. That's My disease loves it when I'm in that space. Right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I was... I was remembering um, we did a gratitude program around this time last year, and one of our guests on that episode called gratitude the single most important tool in her recovery toolbox. I mean, if she did not make any bones about it, um, does that feel true for for any of you? It's up there. Yeah, and it's it's in it's a little intertwined combination of acceptance and gratitude. I was uh, going to say the same thing. If gratitude and acceptance are holding hands, I'm in a pretty good space. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, that's, yeah. That's a sweet spot. <laughs> yeah, I think yep. that, um, you can't, one tool alone can't be, you know, be sober. I mean, it's it's mm-hmm. really like using all the tools that you have and, yeah, gratitude, acceptance, honesty, and willingness are like the big ones that you just need to yeah. keep, and you need to keep at the top there always. And then that's yeah, but then you can go humility. You know, we're all they're all pretty important. Yeah, well, and it, seems that, that, <laughs> it just seems that that gratitude is. Frankie mentioned honesty. I mean, yeah. gratitude gets me honest, right? So when mm-hmm. I'm like, everything is terrible, and my life is the worst. Well, gratitude will get you back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, That might feel honest, but without gratitude, where does it get you? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of the counterbalancing force in a lot of these things. Right. Right. Yeah. So I'm just looking at the clock here, and and this hour always goes so fast. Um, Yeah. And I just want to thank you all for being uh, here tonight. And so as we wrap up our discussion, now let's go around the group and, and share something that we've taken away from tonight's discussion. Um, Frankie, why don't I start with you? Oh, um, uh, yeah, I, like I said, I, you know, I just did my fifth step. I'm working on my fifth step and it's, um, I have been forgetting, I haven't been doing my gratitude list as much and I'm forgetting why I do it. And this is definitely, um, reminded me why it is so important that it is a practice and it's like a muscle memory and I need to, yeah, I need to stay in that practice so it works when I need it. So definitely. And Kristen, how about you? Well, I want to say I'm grateful that you didn't call on me first because (laughs) I needed a minute to come up with an answer. Frankie, well done. Um, but, uh, Def, you know, what really hit me, and I tried to remember it and then totally forgot it, and re-remembered it, thank you, is the process. You know, how it yeah. you know, was a process, and yeah, you know, no one is 
in gratitude for the big, big life changers while it's happening. But mm-hmm. you can find it later on if you're in the practice, definitely. For sure. Um, mm. Ellie, how about you? Oh, it's hard to pick one. Um, I, I think I was really floored during this conversation when – the way I think it was Frankie was describing it is to remind myself how grounding gratitude can be because, Mm -hmm. you know, it's when I start to feel that out of control, emotional tailspin, you know, when my mind's going in a vortex of negativity that it's not, I'm I'm not necessarily reaching for gratitude, but I'm standing right on it. And if I can just, you know, somebody said in my, in a meeting the other day, don't just do something, stand there. And I thought, well. <laughs> yeah, you know, like I like that because it's kind of like if I yeah. can just, it's kind of goes along with that expression, you know, if you, if you can be where your feet are, you're going to be okay and combine that with, which is a lot like acceptance, but just to, that gratitude really holds me up and I can forget that sometimes. Yeah, that's great. That, that's a, another good saying there, Ellie. You're you're always teaching me new ones. <laughs> full of them tonight, yeah. <laughs> They're not mine. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, pass it on though, you know. That's the that's the beauty of uh recovery. We get to share this wealth. Um and I have to say that I, I took away that, you know, gratitude and happiness and softness is not weakness. That, you know, gratitude, you know, builds us up. It's it's strong and um I'm I'm really feeling that tonight. So I, I am deeply grateful for all of you, Frankie, Kristen and Ellie and, and Jean, you're out there tweeting furiously, I'm sure. Um and I'm grateful for all of our listeners who uh just thank you so much for being with us um every Sunday night. Um and I'd like to point everybody to Kristen's blog, no longer inert.wordpress.com. And as we close the show tonight, I'll also direct you to our parent organization, ShiningStrong.org. There you will find links to all of our resources, including the Bubble Hour and Crying Out Now, as well as other initiatives around recovery advocacy. If you'd like to go directly to the Bubble Hour's website, that's thebubblehour.com. There you can listen to our shows directly and uh, or follow a link to subscribe to our podcast. You'll also find a link there to Jean's blog, Unpickled, as well as our email address, thebubblehour at gmail.com. We'd love your feedback. And thank you all for listening to the Bubble Hour, and I hope that you all have a great evening. Thank you. Thank Thank you, you, Catherine. Thanks, Thanks, everybody. Have a good night. Good night. night.